This is the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast, episode 152. I'm Joel Hollingsworth, and I'm with Will Shelton again this evening. How you doing, Will? I'm doing all right. How are you? I am doing great. We are uh, on big episode uh, 152, so... Uh, you know, Brad uh, missed the big milestone a couple of episodes ago, and uh, he said he felt terrible about it. Actually, he didn't. He didn't say that, but uh, you know, it was it was a big deal. And now we're like, sorry, I'm I'm repositioning and got way too close to the microphone there. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, we've been racking them up this uh, this week. So we're uh, we're gonna roll this odometer over to you know we're gonna be at you know 1800 in no time flat. Right. So yeah. only if Tennessee wins though, like we're not doing that many podcasts if we keep losing. That's true. Cause they're much more difficult to do when they're losing, aren't they? Actually, yes, they, they do turn in sort of a, uh, uh, a therapy session. So those are kind of good. They, they tend to be longer and sadder and, uh, probably a lot less fun to listen to, but they're good for us, you know? So, and that's what counts, right? Right. Well, and longtime listeners of the podcast will recall that we like, didn't we have a, we had a sports psychologist on once did, in like yes. 2000, 2011 when, when things were <laughs> really dark and dreary. And I also remember, I remember doing one in 2010. We were, uh, Tennessee was playing Ole Miss, uh, the, the last time Tennessee won an SEC West game. And I remember being, uh, sitting outside uh, a friend's house. I was in Knoxville, uh, for the, probably for the game. And I remember sitting outside a friend's house and we were doing like an hour and 15 minutes on Ole Miss and we were three and six. And I was like, internally, I was asking, is anyone like, is anyone listening to this? <laughs> probably, probably not. So, but yes, yeah. if we can, if we can avoid any other sports psychologists uh, in our future, that would be, that would be a really good sign. That would be a good sign. Uh, I, I will say that, you know, according to one metric, I, there's like 25,000 uh, downloads uh, over the course of, 152 episodes so you know that sounds like a lot of people i guess yeah yeah, yeah and, and there were some um i think sometimes too about we we did that one uh it would have been 2009 where like on on the same podcast we had clay travis yes. spencer hall yep. holly anderson yeah and the little little old you and me uh <laughs> so so you know like that's you know that's pretty cool uh, yep. these days, regardless of everyone's changing opinions about Clay Travis or, or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, we've had we've had uh, all kinds of fun uh, throughout the years, despite the uh, the on the field football products not uh, necessarily being all kinds of fun. So, hopefully that is uh, hopefully this is a this is a fun week, uh, and it's still like I still feel the same about this week right now as in just about any other year, like uh, another coaching change and going four and eight last year, getting beat by West Virginia and even Florida losing in Kentucky. Like I still feel the way I am accustomed to feeling on the Thursday night before the Florida game. Are, do you feel, do you feel the same way? Like I, I, that's, that's warm and welcoming to me that this still feels like everything the Tennessee Florida game should be in terms of what, you know, what's on the line for fans and that sort of stuff. Does it feel the same to you? It, it actually does. And I'm a little surprised about it because, uh, you know, yeah. when, when we talked a couple of nights ago, uh, it was, you know, is this a race for the bottom uh, of the SEC East, you know? And so if that's the case, you know, you're like, well, you know, nothing, nothing really matters, but you know what, when I, when I saw that, uh, that video, which have you seen that yet? The, the Admiral Schofield video? Yes. yes. That is awesome. So, 
after watching that, that really finally kicked me into regular Tennessee, Florida hate week mode. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And you know what? I, it's not just because it's Tennessee, Florida, and I want to beat them, and we owe them, and we get all this revenge stuff, and all the the record of wrongs. Remember when I, when we used to do that? Right. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's there's a lot of stuff there. You know, it's all pent up. Um, but it's not just that because, it, as Brad was mentioning last night, um, this is this is sort of a game where you can think that uh, whoever wins um, sort of has the the inside track. Uh, to uh, competing with Georgia for the SEC East. Probably not this year, um, but seems to be the team that's going to be favored to be the one to to compete with them in the immediate future. So, I don't know. Uh, that's, maybe that's reading too much into it. And, of course, if we lose, I'll say, well, it won't matter, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with that, though. I think that's um... – I've read some interesting stuff from the Florida perspective this week talking about um, because they've already lost to Kentucky. If you lose again here for them, is that sort of the, <clears throat> a reality check that they, their administration, their, the powers that be in Gainesville might need to say, Hey, this is way worse than we, than we thought it was. Um, and, and even in their moments when they thought things were going poorly for them before, whether it was, the end of Ron Zook's tenure or, um, you know, the, the sort of the last Urban Meyer year that led to the first Will Muschamp year when things weren't necessarily great, they still had the potential to bounce it right back. You know, Urban Meyer won a national championship in his second year. Will Muschamp almost won the SEC in his second year. Got him, I, I think it was the Sugar Bowl. It was a BCS, uh, you know, at-large bid um, for them in his in his second year. So, even when they've had down moments, I think the Gators are used to, we can turn this around almost overnight. Year two, we can win, you know, 13 plus games in a national championship. And I think if Tennessee wins this game Saturday, it's going to almost help is the word I want to use. It's going to help them realize like, Hey, this is, this is more down than we have been previously. And, and it's going to take more time. I think than Florida fans, might want to admit um, because if you know you lose to Kentucky maybe Kentucky's good who knows you know maybe, maybe Kentucky this is a nine or ten win Kentucky team maybe probably not but maybe but I think if you lose here to a team you're still accustomed to beating I'm sure and to a Tennessee team that also was won four games last year um, that that may this may be a reality check for the Gators that sort of last year and and really a much longer period over the last decade for Tennessee fans, I think we've already kind of gone through that, that process. At least that's, that's kind of how I look at things. Yeah. I uh, asked Brad this uh, last night because um, my, uh, my Stetsy preview machine spit out after some eyeball and gut adjustments, a, uh, a one point Tennessee win 23, 22. That's my prediction. And uh, Brad uh, completely independently without any uh, prior discussion his prediction was uh, Tennessee 24, uh, Florida 23. So we're both expecting really close games. But what are you expecting uh, Saturday? 
Well, I, independently as well, I can tell you in the in the uh, confidence points picks contest, I picked Tennessee twenty one twenty. So I I think we're we're all either we're all brilliant or we're all idiots. Um, and and you know, again, longtime <laughs> listeners to this podcast can come to their own conclusions on that. But uh, no, I, I think the biggest thing to me is this. It really does feel like a toss up. Yeah. Um, it, it's. I think it's still hard to get a really good read on either of these two teams because you've got one bad performance and then you've got competition that is just kind of hard to, I think Colorado state, a lot of people thought it was going to be better than what Bobo and John Jancic and those guys have put together. And so it's, it's hard to look at what Florida did last week with any kind of real confidence or, or merit. So um, I, I'm not convinced that this is, when people talk about, oh, there's going to be a rock fight and two really bad teams and whatever the case may be, I'm not convinced of all that. I don't think this is, you know, if we go back to 2013, Butch Jones' first year, that that uh, the infamous Nathan Peterman game, mm-hmm. um, those were two really bad offenses, really bad offenses in that game. Uh, I don't think the offenses are, are that bad uh, when we're talking about this year. Um, and, and there was, you know, we've, we've seen some ineptitude. Tennessee certainly last year was, was really inept at times offensively in terms of execution and inside the 10 yard line and all that that we remember. So I don't think that this is destined to be a 16, 13, 18 punts sort of, sort of game. Um, but I do think it'll, it'll be lower scoring. And, and until you see Tennessee's line protect uh, against a, a better sort of defense than what they've faced this year. I don't think it's – you can't really – I have a hard time picking Tennessee to score 28, 30 points until I see the line stand up. But I don't think it'll yeah. take 28 or 30 points to win this game. So, yeah, I think toss-up, um, given the given the toss-up nature, I still – and I'm going to write about this for, for Friday morning. I just default back to the same thing I've been saying for the last two or three years, which is – I think Tennessee is better. I think Tennessee has been the better team four years in a row at this. And finally, we asked this question. We were talking about Spencer Hall a minute ago. We used to have him on the podcast when we were at SB Nation here every week and, and, or every year when Tennessee played Florida. And I feel like for years we would ask, is Tennessee, it feels like Tennessee's the better team. Is Tennessee the, the better team or at least caught up? And the recruiting rankings really didn't ever – bear that out regardless of what Muschamp was or wasn't getting out of the Gators. But now that really has changed because of you've got three years of Jim McElwain's recruiting. You've got a kind of a, a, a tough transition class with Dan Mullen. And so the athletic did a good piece this week, just looking at, yeah, like Tennessee in recruiting going back over the last three or four years is equal to, or better than Florida. Now, some of those guys at Tennessee, transferred out, didn't pan out, Preston Williams, those kinds of guys that were really highly rated. And Florida, I'm sure, has got some of that too. But yeah. I, I just feel like in in every measure that, generally speaking, in terms of who gained the most yards in these games, recruiting, those kinds of things, that Tennessee has been better uh, than, than Florida in the last four years. And that it's not... Again, I'll, I'll get into this more in depth in, in writing it out, but it's not Homer fan optimism crazy talk to say that Tennessee has had to have some spectacularly strange things happen to them, mm-hmm. many of them self-inflicted, right. 
to lose in 14, 15, and 17. And Florida fans would probably say, hey, we had some spectacular, you know, what happened in 16 was weird. All of the games have been weird. I, I think we would say what happened in 16 was we just beat Tennessee. You. Yeah, and if Tennessee had had their stuff together in the first half, it would have been way worse. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Tennessee was capable of just beating Florida in at least 15 as well yeah. um, and, and really dominated, God, dominated seven-eighths of the game in 14, the one they ultimately lost 10-9. to nine. Uh, and, and last year, uh, I, I, Tennessee didn't dominate that game, but Tennessee was play for play, I would say, was, was better than, than Florida in last year's game and just spectacularly, weirdly passed the ball inside the 10-yard line a bunch of times. Again, you don't need me to tell you that. You remember. But that's I just default to I, I think the, these are evenly matched teams in terms of 2018 and when I think something is, is close, I often just go back and say, look, I, I think Tennessee has been the better team, the better, uh, the, the, even now, equal to or better than Florida in recruiting and overall talent, which is something that's almost never been true in the history of this rivalry. And so all that being the case, I, I tend to lean Tennessee's way. Now, all that stuff can go right out the window if you get, um, you know, that sort of coaching ineptitude, because I was saying that about Tennessee and Georgia up to the kickoff of that game last year where Tennessee and Georgia had played one possession games 2011 through 2016. And so regardless of anything else, I kept going back and saying, look, these, these teams are not that far apart. And as it turned out, the difference between Kirby Smart and Butch Jones made them incredibly far apart. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm open to be wrong about this as, as I am most things, but um, I, I think this is a toss-up. If you ask me how confident I am, I would say five out of ten, and you know you hope that it's it's five point one out of ten, and and Tennessee's able to find a way to get this done. Yeah, th- that's interesting that you mentioned the the Georgia thing um, because the, the the difference there I think still goes back to recruiting because it w- it was always pretty clear that Georgia had better players. And then it was just a matter of uh, the coaches sort of evening things out. And uh, I think with Florida, it's almost like we have about the same kind of players and where we lost was on coaching, even though McElwain got fired too. You know, I mean, we just made some, right. it seemed like coaching blunders uh, were sort of the primary culprit for those, for those losses. Uh, and you're hoping that with the coaching change, that a little more discipline, a little more football knowledge, a little more, you know, hey, uh, we know what's going on here, uh, maybe makes the difference. So, and then, anyway, that's kind of what I'm thinking. But um, what do you think is the list of priorities uh, for Tennessee on, on Saturday? Uh, I think, first of all, it is for Jeremy Pruitt and Tyson Helton establishing some sort of rhythm offensively that gives you your best chance of, of victory, which is to say how much more are they going to ask of Jared Garantano without asking too much of him as a quarterback that hasn't thrown an interception yet. Uh, he's been hit a lot, but not necessarily been, been put in terrible positions uh, by the play calling. A lot of their deep shots have been with max protection and that sort of stuff. Uh, so when you have to be a little more exotic than that against a better defense and an SEC opponent, how much more are they going to rely on Garantano to do things for him in the passing game? 
without relying on it too much, without us coming back next week and talking about, all right, Garantano had three picks in this game, and, and what do we do, and that sort of stuff. And then right alongside that, what's the balance in the run game? If Tennessee, who is, is the next-to-worst rushing team in the country in the first quarter this year, if we're bad running the ball in the first quarter again – how how patient are we going to be? This got Philip Fulmer some years with Florida, where mm-hmm. when we talk about the the team uh, that that wins the rushing battle, wins this contest, if Tennessee has one of these, you know, thirty five carries for seventy yards, that's too many carries at two yards a carry. You know, at at some point you need to try something else. So how how willing is a, a head coach that's a defensive guy that we all I think kind of assume is is more conservative and would like to run clock and have his defense be the one that dictates the game what's the sweet spot there uh, in terms of how aggressive you're going to be how patient you're going to be with with the run game if it struggles early uh, all that sort of stuff so I, I think figuring out what that rhythm is offensively that gives Tennessee the the best chance to win to me, that is the most uh, important thing. Uh, you know, other, other things we've talked about before are important. If this line can't block, not much of this matters. Yeah. Um, if Tennessee can't get pressure with just their front four guys, then we're back to the West Virginia conversation of, all right, here comes a bunch of blitzes, and if he gets it off, cross your fingers that, you know, our freshmen back there are, are going to be able to, to not get beat. And that should be an easier task against Florida. But that's, you know, those things to me are just kind of simple. If we can't block, not a lot of this matters. And if we can't get to Felipe Franks, cross your fingers. Have you, um, have you heard Brad's uh, a stat on that? I, I, I can't even repeat what it is. But, it's, but the gist of it is that apparently the numbers so far this year show that Felipe Franks is worse if you don't pressure him. That's, so. so the idea there is right is he's such a bad decision maker yeah. that you you want to have him sit back there and try to read the field and and pick it out and you know I, I've heard Brad say that I've heard uh, some other folks that I read on Tennessee have have made that point I'm intrigued by that I you know I have the memory of this guy bombing a hail mary on us yeah. last year so I, yeah. there's part of me that's like let's let's put that guy on the ground if we can yeah uh, but. You know, I, this too, I think that'll be telling a little bit about Pruitt is I don't necessarily think that Pruitt is super overly aggressive by trade, um, but he he has tremendous experience going against quarterbacks that are far better than Felipe Franks when he was at Alabama and, and Florida State and Georgia and trying to find ways to, to minimize what they were able to do. But Pruitt talks a lot about turnovers. You know, he's talked a lot about it again this mm-hmm. week. And so... Um, that's, that's one of the things I think that, that Chavis was really good at when he was here. Not all the turnovers that Tennessee got were about getting pressure on the quarterback. Some of them were, we got real good athletes and we're going to put them in the right radar area on, on the field. And we're going to trust that they're going to go make a play. Um, and I think, again, you're seeing Pruitt play freshman because he trusts that these guys have abilities to, to make plays that maybe some of the Butch Jones upperclassmen just just don't have as much ability there, even though they've got more experience. So, yeah. you know, I'm I'm intrigued by that. I, I don't I don't know that you can build a whole game plan uh, around that. Uh, the the trust Felipe Franks to do something dumb game plan. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know if that works or not. Yeah. But I, I mean, again, Tennessee in this rivalry, 
it's it's so funny to look at and talk about because that the 15 game like those were two good teams that Florida with Will Greer was a really good team and Tennessee as we all know in 15 was was just a team that lost really close games to the East champion and other teams that made the playoffs. So um, that 15 game was two really good teams going at each other. But the other times in these games, you know, we're seeing Felipe Franks and Austin Appleby in, in 2016. Um, and uh, the guy where they made the change in 14, right. And, and brought the kid in off the bench that, that got the one touchdown drive for him after a turnover. Um what was that kid's name? Harris or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, but so like we haven't, we haven't seen Sterling quarterback play outside of Will Greer in, in 2015 from, from Florida in this rivalry. Uh, so it, it's, that part has changed obviously significantly from, uh, from back in the day and, and from Tim Tebow. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that's just the, the sort of recent history weighing on me of saying, well, We've already been beat by Felipe Franks once and, you know, beat by uh, in 2014 by bad quarterback play. And, and we're down 21 to three to Austin Appleby in 2016. So, uh, you know, there's maybe I got a little too much scarring for that. But that's, this is where I, I part of the thing about having a national championship defensive coordinator as your head coach is I don't I don't have to worry about that. I trust Jeremy Pruitt smart enough to figure out what to do there. All right, so we're uh, we're sort of running a little late here, but you got a little extra time. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I just wanted to run through the guessing game questions uh, just real quick. I, I know you probably haven't seen these yet, or unless you uh, read I have through. not. Okay, uh, so you can uh, you can defer if you want, uh, or just uh, answer quickly, or as with as much detail as you want. But I'm just going to run through them quick. So, uh, first one is, which is greater, Tennessee's rushing yards or Florida's passing yards? Uh, I feel like the answer to that has to be Florida's passing yards. Uh, if, if the answer is our rushing yards, it's going to be a real good night. Um, but I, I think as much as Tennessee has struggled to run the ball with consistency, uh, I, I think Florida uh, will, will find – opportunities and enough opportunities in the passing game even if it's felipe franks for for the gators to be the answer on that one okay does it change your answer if i told you that charleston southern ran for 222 on them no see i don't know enough about like kentucky uh i think benny snell is a better running back than than anybody that we have on our roster and also, Kentucky, the way they run the football is just different than the way we seek to run the football in terms of philosophy. Different enough, anyway. So, like, not knowing enough or anything, really, about Charleston Southern, um, I, I, no, uh, it, do, it does not, um, that does not change my mind on that. But again, uh, if that is the answer, I think things are going to go extraordinarily well for Tennessee. Okay, that is exceptional, infallible logic, and I'm going with Tennessee's rushing yards. So, all right. Uh, They're your questions, yeah. <laughs> so who scores the first touchdown for the Vols? Ty Chandler, another running back, a wide receiver, or somebody else? Uh, well, somebody else would be fun if we're talking about uh, all that stuff, but I, I will go with a wide receiver. Uh, I think – uh, I think Marquez Callaway is great. I think they intentionally didn't really go to him a lot against against UTEP. Um, I think Juwan Jennings 
obviously is someone that has a lot of, of history and success in this rivalry. And I've been impressed with, with Josh Palmer. Yep. Brandon Johnson was good last year. I think there are a lot of options, especially with Tyson Helton, as we, we wrote about in the summer at USC and at Western Kentucky. He involved three and four guys almost every game. It was really diverse in terms of the number of receivers out there. So I would not be surprised to see – one, I think Callaway may be the the when Tennessee's offense is on the field, I think Callaway may be the best player on the field. Um, no offense to Trey Smith, um, but then two, uh, just some wrinkles in there. So again, if you're going to lean on Garantano more, are there ways to change him up and slip something in there to Jordan Murphy or uh, you know those those kinds of things? So I will I will go with a wide receiver on that one. All right, I'm going with another running back. Uh, just the field against Ty Chandler. I think it's going to be a running touchdown first, and uh, I'm just going with the field versus Chandler. And there's somebody else. That's basically a spot for Dominic Wood Anderson. So, <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Third or question. Or Jared Garantano on a on a rollout keeper. That'll work. Yeah. Okay. Uh, third question: Who leads at halftime? The Vols, the Gators, or nobody? Uh. If the action is juiced toward nobody, I may. Uh, if you're giving me more points for nobody, I, I may, probably I may am. Actually, yeah, I may pick that in the actual contest. But uh, I'll, I'll say Tennessee. I mean, again, if if we're saying it's 50-50, Tennessee's at home and Tennessee's have, has been better the last few years. I, I would I would lean towards Tennessee. All right, cool. Um, you're actually like, are we? Are you're in the lead overall for uh, the Pick'em contest this year? Is that right? I am. Uh, it's very strange to me. Uh, I, I got, again, longtime listeners and readers will know I'm, I'm a gut person, but I'm also like, I, I pick teams that I like. I don't like to be conflicted when I'm watching the games. Yeah. I don't like to think, oh, I'd really like this team to win, but I picked this other team. So uh, one way I got ahead of a lot of people early is I had Virginia Tech over Florida State in week one. Okay. And that's a that's a game where a lot of people uh, I, I know put a lot of points on uh, Willie Taggart and company down there, uh, and they should not have done that. So uh, that's not against Virginia Tech, is my point. Willie Taggart may turn out to be fine, but that was a um, I'm I'm back in I, I, my house now is about 20 miles from Lane Stadium, um, so I am I am a little biased in that direction anyway, but. Um, that was that. That game had the the total makings of a game that Virginia Tech wins, which is what happened. So, uh, but I, I I say all that to say I tend to do as well as Tennessee does in yeah. a given year in these things. So that's what I was gonna uh, say. If if Tennessee ever wins the national championship, you're gonna also win the pick'em. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, so far I am I am in first, but I had us to beat West Virginia. I've certainly got Tennessee. Not I don't you know I think the confidence points on West Virginia I had like three. Um, I think I've got Tennessee at like nine uh, this week. Uh, that's so high for you know, a one-point game. I've got some other some other things in there though that I'm I'm uh, interested in. Like again, I, it makes me look so smart. But <laughs> last week, uh, another reason I'm in front is I picked BYU to beat Wisconsin. Do you know why? It's because we play BYU next year, and it's better for us <laughs> nationally if they're good. So right, that's that not was my not my, infallible my, logic. No, it's like I said, it's my heart and my gut. I had it I had it with like one confidence point, but I bet lots of people had Wisconsin at like eighteen confidence points. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you know that was I, me. I just, 
Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I just I just picked those things. I picked that game because it's of interest to Tennessee because we we play BYU next year. And I picked BYU to win because even though I joked about it on Twitter, it's better for Tennessee if BYU is better next year and then we beat them. Uh, so you know I'm I'm uh, that's I don't think I have anything. I'd have to look at it. I don't think I have anything really crazy this week. Uh, I had a real hard time. Like this is the weird world we live in where the two most interesting SEC games this Saturday are probably the the best one is Mississippi State and Kentucky. Yeah, which. I don't know how that happened, but like truly, that's the best SEC game this week. And the hardest one to pick to me outside of Tennessee, Florida, is South Carolina Vanderbilt. Yep, yep. Like I got Vandy on that one, actually. I got Vandy too, and it's yeah. so weird. Like I don't know how many times I've said the phrase "I've got Vandy" in that one in my life, <laughs> let alone against the team everybody thought was going to be the second best team in this division. Yeah. And I, I think it's in Nashville, and Vandy may even be favored. Like I don't. No, it's, they're it's, not. But it's, it's close. I think it's like two. It's like and two and a half. half. Yeah. 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 So. I don't know, man. This this is this is weird, but no joke. I mean, I, I feel bad for. Uh, I know Alabama and Texas A and M is is the the three thirty game and all that, but Bama's still a twenty seven and a half point favorite in that game. Yeah, the yeah. best game this week that like that's in a in a totally fair world. Mississippi State and Kentucky is the three thirty CBS game this week, yeah. but instead, I'm sure it's it's like ESPNU or or something like that. So. So if you're looking for a way to win the pick'em, you just have to change your strategy and figure out some way to go with Will's gut. That's basically <laughs> the lesson I'm I'm learning from this through the first three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, quickly, last question because I, I wanted to get to this if we if we still had time. Um, you're the basketball guy, so do, do you have anything to say about uh, the hoops team uh, landing five star point guard Josiah James? Well. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think everyone who – you just can't assume uh, about things. Everyone that assumed things about Rick Barnes over the course of X number of years, he's kind of doing what he did at Texas, which is build the program his way, establish his culture, and then here comes the, the big money recruit. I mean, again, this is – lots of people have said this on Twitter. I tweeted this too. In the history of recruiting rankings, this is the third highest commit to ever sign with Tennessee. Only Tobias Harris and Scotty Hobson uh, have have been higher. So, um, you know, th- this is a big time player that, like Tobias Harris, may only be around here for one year. But I think Barnes also learned with all those guys at Texas, which led to a bunch of earlier exits in the NCAA tournament than than they were seeded for. Um, you know, it, it shows me that he's not afraid to still go after the very best players that we're not trying to be um, Virginia or, and no offense to Virginia, they were incredible last year uh, uh, in the regular season. Um, we're not trying to be um, South Carolina in our conference who we're going to do it our way. We're going to recruit kids and only play our way like it. Barnes is still more than happy to take a five-star kid if he, you know, fits what we're doing. And we've been in on other five-star kids as well. So now to me, it'll be interesting to see as, as we go from here, how many more of these one and done ish players is Barnes going to go after and, and try to get. Um, but I, I think you got to feel so good about the culture at Tennessee right now. And where, you know, we're in a year where, you know, you're going to lose Admiral grants a junior. You, you might lose him. You're going to lose Kyle Alexander. When you were trying to figure out, okay, is 
next year is 2019-20 going to be a rebuilding year? Well, no, now it's going to be we might have an NBA lottery pick on our team. So, uh, you know, that's that was a great thing, I think, for, for Tennessee's future. So um, just goes to show you, man, all the things that um, – all the things in terms of on-court success that I thought Tennessee – lost when Bruce Pearl left and I wasn't sure if they would ever get back. Um, Barnes still got to get to the sweet 16 or the elite eight with Tennessee, but Barnes has Tennessee competing at and recruiting at those same levels right now. Uh, and that's, that's an incredible Testament to him. So uh, we, we can't get back the uh, shirtless painted chests, whatever. Um, <laughs> but we also, we also can't get back or shouldn't want to get back lying to the NCAA. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it, it is as, as a long suffering Tennessee basketball fan. Um, I am thrilled that it certainly appears that what we're seeing right now isn't just, Oh man, we got a really good mix of players and we're going to be really good for two years. And then we'll see that, you know, Barnes is, is setting this thing up to keep Tennessee at the table for a long time. And I, I think that's tremendous. I will forever maintain that Bruce Pearl didn't get fired for lying to the NCAA as much as he did for admitting it, which is a shame because that's what you should do when you do something wrong. You should admit it. But all the people who just maintain their lie when everybody knows they're lying, they, they always get a pass. I hate that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's it, it, we uh, Clay Travis. We mentioned him earlier is one of the first people I saw say, hey, this this whole thing with Pearl is like no one will ever come clean to the NCAA again I can promise you that because you get a three-year show cause for it so uh you know and good good for Bruce he's again I've written about this Bruce is at Auburn uh legally or illegally I have no idea but he's he's doing great things at Auburn and and good for him Conzo at Missouri doing great things good for him like you know everybody can be Rick Barnes doesn't need Conzo Martin to suck for him to be successful yeah. And thanks be to God, we don't have to have, you know, here's Bruce Pearl cutting down nets. And meanwhile, we're four and 14. <laughs> Can you imagine, you know, if, <laughs> if we hadn't hired Barnes or if, you know, what, whatever had happened and, and we actually finished 13th last year and Pearl won the SEC. Can you imagine? I mean, it would just, it would have fit really well with the rest of the decade. Um, but, you know, I am, I am as bad as things have been in football to have had it, to have had it as good as we had it with Pearl for six years, and now to to have come back to a place where it it feels like anything is possible with this basketball program uh, again, uh, that that's an incredible thing. Uh, and if Tennessee does not play well Saturday night and they lose to the Gators, uh, Chris, Chris Penley and I were talking about this earlier today that it may be the first time in the history of ever that Tennessee is quicker than Kentucky to say, wait till basketball season, baby, but <laughs> basketball season is coming. So uh, that's, uh, that's, that's good news on the back end. That's Will Shelton. And that's going to be a wrap for episode 152 of the game day rocket top podcast. Uh, as always, please subscribe, rate and review uh, bonus points. If you use the phrase, uh, I'm going with Will's gut in the, in the <laughs> review. That's the uh, secret phrase for this. Next week, the secret phrase will be, I trusted Will's gut and I shouldn't have. <laughs> I'll remember that. I'm going to write that down. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. All right, and so for uh, Will Shelton, I'm Joel Hollingsworth, and this has been the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast. Have you noticed that the Robo Transcript always calls it the Game Day Iraqi? Actually, I've been I've been corrected. <laughs> game Day Iraqi podcast. Iraqi topic. Yeah, there are there are some real because that typically is how I, I hear the podcast that I'm not on is by reading the transcripts uh, on my lunch break or, or something like that. And uh, I have there there have been some real gems in there. So whatever 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 service you're using to translate it, I would not change it because I really enjoy it. I've been actually you know correcting most of them, but if they're really good, I'll just leave them. And make it what was the hilarious one? From- it was like a standard woman rush or something oh, yeah, like that. Oh, yeah, it was a yeah. – he, he tried to say uh, a four, standard four-man rush. <laughs> it's that standard woman rush. Yeah, you got to watch out for that. Yeah. Well, I know what I was going to say. You said, uh, you know, having him cut down the nets at Auburn while we're 4-14, that, that would be kind of like if uh, Saban retired, they promoted Butch Jones, and he hoisted the Crystal Trophy over there. Seems unlikely, but... uh...